Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Your liberty-loving Latino amigo, El Conservador. And we're here in the east side studios of WABC Radio here in Midtown New York City. The Democrats are so afraid of a free-thinking Hispanic electorate that they're willing to insult them to try and get their votes. One Latina journalist says Hispanics are opportunists with no shame. Well, why else would they vote for Trump is her thinking. Now, this is typical of the left. The left, when they don't agree with you, they insult you. They don't come with facts. They don't come with something that's going to really refute your point or support their point of view. They just want to poo-poo and put down your point of view. And when they can't, they'll just poo-poo and put down you. And that's the bottom line. They're just going to say that you are a bad person. We don't like Trump because you are a bad person. We don't like Trump because he is a bad person. It's always morality, the issue of morality. Because when it comes to logic, when it comes to reason, they don't have an argument. So this one Latina journalist says that Hispanics are opportunists with no shame. And this is according to one article that I'm taking a look at in AZ Central. Now, this is on the uh, the heels of President Trump's visit to both Las Vegas, Nevada and Phoenix, Arizona for back-to-back roundtables with the Latino community. So this one reporter, Elvia Diaz... And this is azcentral.com. Headline. This is her commentary. And when I first looked at this article, it didn't say that it was opinion or commentary, although it's clear that it is from the headline. But just in case it wasn't, now they put this really bright yellow Elvia Diaz opinion. This piece expresses the views of authors separate from those of this publication. Even they don't want to be on the record saying this stuff. Check this out. Trump used Latinos in Phoenix like a masterful puppeteer. Have they no shame? It's bad enough to have Trump literally separate children from their families at the U.S.-Mexico border, put them in cages, reject asylum seekers, attack the quote-unquote dreamers, and insult everyone else who's not white. But it's incomprehensible to see immigrants and leaders like the former head of a Hispanic Chamber of Commerce serving as Trump's campaign prop to try to fool Arizona Latinos into voting for him. Have they no shame? Of course they don't. They're nothing more than opportunists kissing up to Trump to attack to attract attention to themselves. This is, of course, again, Elvia Diaz. Now she goes on saying there's no other explanation for their participation at Monday's Latinos for Trump roundtable in Phoenix designed to court the Latino vote, but which had zero substance. Nothing. Nada. Zilch. It was merely a campaign rally where Trump used Latinos like a masterful puppeteer, pulling the strings of the marionettes to the delight of what looked like a mostly white crowd. There was Jorge Rivas, 
whose Sammy's Mexican Grill drew criticism earlier this year, but which nonetheless got a business boost after Trump's shout-out on Twitter. Rivas, of course, got to plug his food joint and went out of his way to kiss up to the president at the Latinos for Trump gathering in South Phoenix on Monday, blaming the parents doing a poor job educating their children for the current social unrest in the country. And she continues to go on this rant of anti-Hispanic rhetoric because apparently you're no longer brown if you like Trump. Apparently you're no longer Hispano. You're no longer Latino if you don't like Biden, if you don't like Bernie. If you like Trump, then you ain't black, right? That's basically what she's saying. She's using that Joe Biden argument that you're no longer Hispanic. And I think it's it's laughable. It really is. Why? Well, when was the last time that we had a conversation about anything in the world? And when you disagree with someone, you go to them and you say, well, no, this is not because of that. This doesn't have anything to do with the facts. You're just a, a bad human. And because you're a bad human, I don't like you anymore. Meanwhile, not a single quote in this article whether it's an opinion piece or not. Look, I wrote opinion pieces for the Washington Times communities uh, section years ago, and I, I always put in quotes that were relevant to the conversation, for and against. That's how you give context. That's how you're able to make a case against something when I show you how stupid the other person is. Listen to what they said, and I do it on this program all the time. I'll play an audio cut just to ridicule AOC, just to ridicule Biden. It's clear that I don't agree with them, but I give them their say. Right. You get to hear from them and you get to hear from me. But in this woman's piece, there's nothing in there. Why? Because that's how the left is, especially the left that's hiding in the media. That's co-opted the media. That's taken over the media. So what do we have? We have this woman who goes on to trash a bunch of people. Leah Marquez, Tracy Buena, Moses Sanchez, Art Moreno. Not a single word from any of those people as to why they support the president. She puts quotes of things that they may have said, but they're out of context. Quoting Ms. Buena saying, Trump is exactly, excuse me, Trump is extremely pro-life and patriotic, a loving American, which is part of a larger quote that obviously gives more context. But no, they won't have that. They won't have parity because they don't care about that. So what do they do? They slander. They malign. They libel. They lie. That's why I like to go straight to the source to get the facts from somebody that was actually there. In one of these back-to-back Latino roundtables that the president held on Sunday and Monday in Nevada and in Arizona. And for that, I had to give a shout out to my friend Elisa Slider, the vice chair of the RNHA, the Republican National Hispanic Assembly. And she put me in touch with Jesus Marquez. Jesus is a politico. He's a small business owner in Las Vegas, Nevada. Jesus is also a radio broadcaster on 1460 AM in Nevada, La Voz. It's a conservative station as well as being the owner of MG Strategies and an advisory board member of Latinos for Trump. Jesus Marquez, welcome to This is America. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for having me today. You got it, my brother. So I was just telling the audience about your experience yesterday at the Latinos for Trump roundtable. Uh, not yesterday, the day before. You were at the one in Las Vegas and they had back-to-back um Roundtables with yes. Hispanic business leaders, obviously, in Phoenix and in Las Vegas. So tell us a little bit about why you were there and what really happened, because I was looking at an article and it seemed very one-sided and very unfair. Well, you know, the, I, w- I was privileged to be there because, you know, I have the president of the United States sitting right next to me and we were talking about 
how can we get Latino communities uh, achieve the prosperity that that our fathers and, and grandfathers came here to this country for? And, and, and we talked about the economy, how uh, jobs uh, is something that we all need in, in our communities. And also we talked about a school choice, something that the Latino community is very supportive of. You know, 28% of Latino, uh, Latinos in, in the United States support school choice. And we talk about another important issue, which is uh, security in our communities. You know, the law enforcement uh, ideology and, and proposal that President Donald Trump has is what we need in our communities. And I, and I, and I told this to the president. I said, Mr. President, you know, we need more law and order in our communities because when you have anarchy and, and lawlessness, uh, especially affects our communities, the Latino community. I agree with you 100%. Now, I have a question regarding the uh, reception that you got, I guess, afterwards. Was there, what was the general sense of people saying, you know what, there's a bunch of Latinos getting together for Trump? Was it something that you felt was welcomed or were people uh, being a little shady? No, you know, you always have those, uh, the, some that, that will criticize anything and everything President Donald Trump does. Uh, so it's them if you do and them if you don't. You know, basically that's the, that's their idea. But but for the most part, we we have we had a very good positive uh, reception and uh, by by you know groups leaders that I know I'm very involved in, in the community here in Las Vegas, Nevada, and and I I heard really good um, comments on, on on our meetings. However, you know you're always going to have uh, some media. You know they were focusing on other things mainly, but the main focus is the prosperity of our people, of our community, the Hispanic American community, and, and that's what we were talking about. We talked about, again, achieving those goals, which, which can only come through uh, prosperity and to jobs, economy, and good education. We're kicking off La Mes de Herencia Hispana, Hispanic Heritage yeah. Month here across America with President Trump kicking it off with these two roundtables, which I thought was really terrific. Tell us or give us an idea of how the Latinos for Trump movement is um, growing or expanding, at least from my estimation, I see it growing and expanding throughout the country, but specifically in your area of the West. Well, look, look what President Donald Trump is doing. You know, first, uh, when, when he first started his or launched his campaign uh, last year, he picked or chose the, the, the Latinos community to be the first or to, to, to assemble the first coalition. And that was with Latinos. Mm -hmm. I was actually present there when he launched it out of Miami. Now at the church there. Yeah. And, and it was, Mike Pence was there. Sure. So uh, after that, you know, he just uh, in July, he uh, created by executive order, the Hispanic Prosperity Initiative and created also a commission with leaders of the Latino community from from all over the country to commit to be commissioners on this uh, initiative. And, and so that is just proof that he is working, you know, hard on not just reaching the community, but in, in enhancing the, the ability for the community, the Latino community to prosper here in the United States. And another thing here in the Southwest, uh, for example, here in Nevada and Las Vegas, he has, or the, the campaign has, the only Latinos for Trump or uh, an office dedicated just for Latinos. Joe Biden doesn't have any of that. They don't have a, an office dedicated to Latinos. They're not. Their their work in terms of reaching out to Latinos is 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 not working. Uh, another thing on Sunday after the roundtable, 
President Donald Trump had a rally here. I was there. And there, you can see a lot of Latino faces in support of President Donald Trump because they like what he's doing. And then at the same time, you had a, a Latino for Biden event, I, and we saw some pictures of that here in Las Vegas. With uh, They were going to have a, a car parade, and they only had like 10 cars. So the excitement, the, the, the enthusiasm is uh, definitely on the side of President Donald Trump, and the Latino community is a big part of it. Amen to that. And I think that's a perfect place to leave it because, I mean, that's what I see with the uh, initiative, with the momentum building. I see it going all in Trump's favor. So I want to thank you for joining the program. Jesus Marquez from Las Vegas, Nevada. You can hear him on La Voz. And he's the president of MG Strategies. Again, my brother, thanks for joining This is America. Next up, we're going to find out why one New Jersey store is sparking outrage with a speak English or pay $10 extra sign. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Bienvenido, America. Welcome back. I am Rich Valdez. Now, I always say that you got to focus on the facts, and that's right. You know what I'm talking about. JustFacts.com. JustFacts.com. J-U-S-T-F-A-C-T-S.com. That's where I go to get all of the facts. If you want data sets that are just pure, unvarnished, no opinions, just the facts and how they pertain to the issues of the day, go to JustFacts.com slash Rich. Now, go to JustFacts.com slash Rich and you can sign up for a free newsletter. Make sure you check them out. They're great guys. And as we get closer and closer to Election Day, you want to know the facts. Just like I was inquiring when I looked at the New York Post and I saw this article that said, New Jersey store sparks outrage with speak English or pay $10 extra sign. The sign literally said that. Now, this brings me back to when I was younger, probably, I don't know, let's see, it might have been 2003 or so, and the mayor of a town that neighbors where I live now, but go to New Jersey, Steve Lonigan, he's a friend, he was involved with a campaign to uh, It's America Speak English. And this is something I've never really subscribed to because I feel... It's America. Speak whatever language you want. That's the beauty of liberty. And it's the beauty of free markets, right? It's the free market in the t- in terms of language. It's free market in terms of cash and business and ideas in radio shows. If you like a radio show and it does really well, it's going to do well. It's going to get sponsors. It's going to get airplay. If it doesn't do well, it won't. Uh, and there's other political pressures that could go into those things. But for the most part, people are free to choose. That's the liberty that we have. As a young man, I started a business, had to be maybe 2000, 2001, a cell phone place on Bergen Line Avenue in a town called West New York, New Jersey. And I can tell you very frankly, speaking English didn't help me in that business one bit. Hudson County by and large is a very Hispanic area and West New York, quite specifically, very, very Hispanic. Speaking Spanish, knowing how to speak Spanish, being able to communicate in the language of the people that are there helped me to increase my business. I never would have thought of hanging up a sign that said, speak English or pay $10 extra. I mean, to me, this borders around the idea of, of cancel culture. It's like, I don't like what you're saying, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bill you for it. I won't cancel you. I'm just going to fine you. You're going to get fined for speaking in a different language. I brought up Steve Monaghan, not to take shots at him, but more so to, to say a little bit about the story that I was referencing. Back in that time, again, maybe 2004 or five, there was some controversy over a billboard for McDonald's iced coffee. And I think the billboard was in Spanish, so people went to Lonigan's town and put up another billboard against that billboard. 
And I remember writing this article for townhall.com or on townhall.com. They had a blog platform. And I believe, I don't know if it's still around, if it's something that you could Google and still see. But all of that to say, the title of the article that I wrote was something like anti-business, anti-speech, and Republican? Question mark. And it was about this group of conservatives that were really had their panties in a bunch about people speaking English and whatnot, kind of like this guy now. Now, in the article, the guy eventually admits that what he did was in poor taste and that the people that were outraged were appropriately outraged. At least he acknowledges that. His thing was he wanted to encourage assimilation. I get it. I don't think that's how you encourage assimilation is by hanging a sign that says if you speak in Spanish or any other language for that matter, you're going to get fined. That would be like going to the McDonald's on Canal Street here in New York City, Chinatown, and telling them to stop speaking in Chinese. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Or going to Little Italy, to Mulberry Street, and telling them to not speak Italian when the chef comes out. And he says, hey, I'm Chef Vincenzo. You're not going to say, hey, listen, it's America, speak English, pal. That, that's not happening. But it seems to be a thing when Hispanics are involved. No, I'm not um, complaining, per se. Just pointing it out. So, yes, the bottom line is, it's America, speak English. Yes, the bottom line is, I think we don't have to lose our Americanness to celebrate the fact that we're Norwegian or Swedish or Irish or Chinese or Puerto Rican or anything else. When I posted Happy Hispanic Heritage Month on Parlor today, great website, by the way, great app, Parlor, I got a mixed response with some people, I guess, feeling slighted or offended that we even have a Hispanic Heritage Month. One person even went and said, does that mean I get a Whitey Heritage Month? And I thought to myself, there's a lot of things I could say, but... Here's what I actually did say, because their question to me was why we even have a Hispanic Heritage Month. And I simply responded, while all Americans bleed red, white, and blue, President Reagan expanded Hispanic Heritage Week to be a month-long celebration. Since then, President Trump has issued annual proclamations to uphold the same. And here's a quote from the president, who officially proclaimed National Hispanic Heritage Month in a release on September 13th. Last year, saying National Hispanic Heritage Month celebrates the accomplishments of Hispanic Americans who have enriched our culture and society and helped make America into the incredible country it is today. End quote. And that's the president of the United States, Donald Trump. Now, history and tradition aside, I suspect the real reason for the question that was asked of why have Hispanic Heritage Month had little to do with that person's historical illiteracy or their ignorance of logic, but more to do with a panicked feeling of inequity. Despite the fact that the Spanish, the King of Spain, financed Christopher Columbus's trip to the New World, there's still an uneasiness to acknowledge the culture, achievements, or even historical existence of people that are different than oneself, at least for some people. It's an uneasiness and that feeling of inequity, despite Hispanics having served in every war since the Civil War. And that's on the Army's website if you want to go take a look. 
President Lincoln embraced black Americans and ended up with a civil war in his hands. So it's not surprising that President Trump's embrace of Americans of Hispanic heritage, like me, would trigger anger from like-minded myopic bigots that are out there. Sometimes the most oversimplified explanation of liberty is to recognize that what I eat won't make you fat, meaning what I do doesn't affect you. Just like nobody makes a fuss about Chinese New Year, St. Patrick's Day, or putting a lei or a grass skirt on when you visit Hawaii, ceremonial celebrations are just that, period. Large families, faith, hard work, and entrepreneurship are core values for most Latino Americans. It's a key part of Hispanic culture. It's this voluntary cultural affinity with Americanism that brings all Americans together. It's what allows us all to partake in the American dream. And that's the bottom line. So to that I say, celebramos el mes de herencia hispana. We celebrate the month of Hispanic heritage. Hispanic American, Hispanic, we got a lot of Hispanic. I love Hispanic. Who in this audience is Hispanic? Yeah. We're doing great. Well, we should be doing great. You have the lowest ever recorded, lowest unemployment rates ever recorded. I'm Rich Valdez, and up next, we're going to swing it down to the White House to see what's going on there. Keep it locked right there. This is America. This is America. He's got the best head of hair in podcasting. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, welcome back, America. I am Rich Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. And I'm on all of your social media, at Rich Valdez with an S. Check me out there. Give me a follow. Give me some feedback. I'd love to hear from you and let me know what's going on in your state as we get closer and closer to the 2020 election. But right now, I want to talk about what's happening internationally because, yes, folks, you've heard it as a cliche. You've heard it said before, but we are actually achieving peace in the Middle East. President Donald Trump has assembled a team and slowly but surely been accomplishing more right smack dab in the middle of the Middle East, in Jerusalem, in Israel, than really any other president ever has. Trump brokered a deal to normalize diplomatic relations with the United Arab Emirates. We talked about that. Then with Kosovo. Now he's added in Bahrain. So you've got Muslim countries in Europe, in the Balkans, Muslim country in the Middle East, another Muslim country in the Middle East. And they're expecting more partners. As that group of partners, that coalition of people pursuing peace grows, it's going to entice most of the people in the developed world in the Middle East to get on board. Now, the American media, and I haven't even looked at much of the international media, but I can tell you NBC News, who really, people like to pick on CNN, but let me tell you, NBC News, they really, really, really They hit the president hard, time and again. I mean, some of their headlines, I read one before, on an opinion piece nonetheless, but the peace deal is a sham. Literally, that's part of the headline. I mean, all right, if that's how you want to do it, that's fine. I'm sure that, you know, conservative writers have have said similar about leftist initiatives. But on something like this, I wouldn't say that this is just window dressing. I mean, as we speak, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu from Israel is at the White House with the president with leaders of multiple countries, they're expecting, you know, under a thousand people, somewhere like seven, eight hundred people, to commemorate and memorialize this. This day is a pivot of history. It heralds a new dawn of peace. 
For thousands of years, the Jewish people have prayed for peace. For decades, the Jewish state has prayed for peace. And this is why today we're filled with such profound gratitude. I am grateful to you, President Trump, for your decisive leadership. You have unequivocally stood by Israel's side. You have boldly confronted the tyrants of Tehran. You've proposed a realistic vision for peace between Israel and the Palestinians. And you have successfully brokered the historic peace that we are signing today, a peace that has brought support in Israel, in America, in the Middle East, indeed in the entire world. Now, some will say it's all politics, but my thought is you have to stop and ask yourself, if it's all politics, if it's just window dressing, why are so many partners putting their name on the line? Why is the UAE getting involved? Why is Bahrain getting involved? What about Kosovo? Why? This is their reputation that's on the line. Of course, people get into deals that benefit them, and peace is something that benefits a lot of people. And of course, there are those that want peace, but are willing to forego it if they don't get their way. Sound familiar? Kind of like the BLM and that crazy crew here in, in America, in the United States? People that want to go off the deep end? No justice, no peace, no justice, no sleep? I think we're seeing the same thing in the Middle East. People that are holding out saying, you know what? This isn't about peace. We're happy with conflict. We hate your guts, Israel. That's what they're saying. I meet a lot of people that just can't stand one group or one group that can't stand another group. And there are people that like to be agitators. Antifa doesn't stop at some point when they feel like they've achieved what they want. They move on to the next city to destroy, to cause chaos and anarchy. But it's not like they go, oh, you know what? We finally reached our goal. Things are better now. No, their goal is to destroy. This is why they burn down cities. This is why people get slaughtered in the Gaza Strip, because there are suicide bombers, people putting rockets over the fence, targeting Israeli troops, Israeli troops fighting back because rockets are being tossed over the fence. It's a horrific situation and one that I don't personally know, never been there. And so I typically don't get into this, but I have to say as a observer of all things in the news and politics, it's a proud moment for me as an American that our president here in the United States is reaching out to foreign partners, building alliances, not going it alone. And if you have to, you have to. But I think this is a proud moment for America and it's a proud day for those in pursuit of peace. Then, of course, you have writers like Noura Erekat, headline NBC News. Trump peace deals for Israel, UAE, and Bahrain are shams. They boost oppression, not amity. The agreement reflects a geopolitical alliance among repressive regimes to expand the U.S. sphere of influence in the Middle East. Now, that one's funny because literally that is what politics is. We're always looking to expand our sphere of influence, even if it's passive. We don't have to dominate globally to use some of our strength to help others to achieve peace. It almost really uh, makes me like shake my head and think, what? What did they just say? If you're not gaining power, peddling power, influencing power in politics, what is it that you're doing? Because the literal definition of politics is influencing that balance of power. Somehow, people on the left find a way to still make that wrong, to make that bad, to make that not the case. Washington Post. Is it really a peace deal or is it an arms race? 
Proposed sale of F-35 jets to UAE prompts fears in Israel. Now they're stoking fear. This is demagoguery at its finest. And I'm not saying this happened, but if you're trying to make a deal for peace and you say, you know what, we want to bring you to the table. And they're like, well, if you want me to bring me to the table, I want to have a stronger military. I, I, I want some F-35s and you're the only person I can get them from. So what's good? Hook me up. Let's make a deal. And they say, you know what, get in on the deal and we'll give you some F-35s. That doesn't sound completely out of line. It's not like UAE is a known terrorist actor against the United States. This is why we have deals and why we make negotiations. Washington Post again. The mirage of Trump's peace deals. I mean, some of these outlets, they don't even hide the fact that they're extremely biased. And that's good. I'd hope that they don't hide it. But they should just say, hey, look, this is my opinion. It's an editorial. Don't pass it off as news. And to end on a high note from ynetnews.com, schools in the UAE are already teaching about the peace treaty with Israel in textbooks. Now that is a win, my friends, because I know people who've grown up both in Palestine and in Israel, and both have explained to me how the tension between the two is very real and very deep. And it starts as kids. They've described cartoons that describe the other side as savages and animals, where they portray Jews as subhuman. That's not cool. No matter what side of the fence you're on, no matter what your political ideology is, the only people I think that deserve to be dehumanized are terrorists, people that thrive on fear and intimidation, that terrorize people with violence. Nobody should like them. Nobody should treat them well. Outside of that, let's make a deal. We have to be pragmatic at times. This is why I think so many people shy away from international affairs and diplomacy, because it's a very complicated place and there's little permanency. What is today is not always what is tomorrow. There are not a lot of constants in foreign affairs. Things change quick. But one constant that we can definitely look at and rely on is the commitment that we've seen from this White House, the commitment we've seen from this commander-in-chief, the commitment we've seen from Donaldus Magnus, El Trumpito, Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States, to do this job and to do it relentlessly for the people. And we'll keep a close eye on it. Until the next one, hasta la próxima, America. I am Rich Valdez, and if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for people like you, good people, to sit back, relax, and do nothing. So don't be the man that does nothing. Don't be the woman that does nothing. Be the person that does something, that stands for something, educates themselves, empowers themselves, and organizes themselves and their neighbors, and their community to reclaim America for all things good and holy. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 